Hey everyone, welcome to Perspectives of Change. I'm your host Sarika Karbanda and we have two surprise elements for you today. We'll get to what those are after I introduce the show to you as usual. So what is Perspectives of Change? Uh, in fact, this show is dedicated to exploring how to not change forward by understanding and valuing multiple perspectives because sometimes as change agents we just forget that our change is just or our perspective is just one of many uh with that really short introduction uh i am actually going to introduce at least one of the surprise elements and start by saying that i'm not the host of the show today uh i have my amazing colleague here with me as you can see on the call helgi gudmundsen dialing in from sweden hey helgi Sarika, pleasure. <laughs> so my colleague Helgi here is going to be hosting the show today. And before I hand over the baton to him today uh, and he giving you the second surprise element, uh I'm just going to introduce Helgi for all of us and Helgi please feel free to add more to your introduction if I do not do justice to it please. Uh so I I look at Helgi and I've known Helgi for the past what three years or more now uh, I think we met in the virtual world so that's interesting we've never met in person even more amazing yep. uh and I have known Helgi to be a combo superpower uh, individual uh of a, a number of superpower elements which is why I say a combo because uh of his amazing superpower elements i think he's a brilliant passionate agilist and a behavioral scientist who draws a number of things from the fields of psychology complexity thinking agile coaching and behavioral science and helps leaders and teams today uh navigate the uncertainty and design the future of work as we know it today add more to it helgi How would I follow up on something like that? Uh thank 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 you for those kind words. <laughs> Then it's over to you Helgi. So over to me. Well how about I go right right uh, right back at it. First of all it's a unique pleasure to be asked by Sarika to step in as host. Uh why we're doing why we're doing this exactly will become apparent in a moment. Um But since uh, Sarika did me the service of sort of giving me a super inter- introduction, uh I'll I'll follow up with one of my own. Yes, uh, I believe Sarika and I met um in an online authorization session something like four plus years ago. Um didn't really get to know each other at that point, but uh about a year later. Um she just personifies this interesting new world that we're living in um we've never met we don't really have we've talked about at some point down the line it would be fun if we're in the same region of the world to to arrange something like this um but we found ourselves in this unique and interesting kind of collaboration and wanting to collaborate on something for a very long time now what's Erika what's what's attractive about Sarika is yes she's a passionate agilist we share that in common yes she calls herself and 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 she has a unique take to it she she calls herself a change hacker very much uh very much true um 
but she is also supremely practical. And I miss that sometimes with a lot of agile practitioners. Um, it falls into a little bit of dogma. There's a lot of uh, there's a lot of ideas floating around there that, coming from a behavior science background, I sometimes scratch my head. Where are these ideas coming from? With Sarika, that's never the case because everything she does is kind of grounded on the fact that she has actual boots on the ground experience working with a small organizations, but also leading transformations in fairly big ones. And we're talking uh, organizations like banks and financial institutions and the like, which are often portrayed as being quite resistant to such changes. So you, with, with Sarika, you get a very pragmatic view. And so this brings us kind of to why we're doing this flip around today. Um, our sort of one of the areas that we um, like to collaborate around is the area of conflicts, and there's a the, and a, and a specific approach to conflicts, which I won't go into too much because uh, Sarika will be the star of the show when it comes to that. But she she just recently published an article which combines these two lovely elements. Um, the article in itself, and I suppose we will link to the article for those of you who are uh, watching and listening to this, is, in my opinion, a, a very good sort of grounding view of what specifically are conflicts, how do they manifest, how, and, and, some, and some practical ways to work with it. But the article is also based on one of Sarika's actual lived experiences coming into an organization um, to guide a team in their development, becoming aware that the, that uh, a big limitation on on the whole situation was some fundamental underlying conflict. Now, a lot of folks, when they come along and they pick up on something like that, I would say nobody really likes conflict. I suppose you could always say there are unique individuals that are kind of wired very strangely that get off on it. But in most cases, for most people go out of their way to try to avoid it, to avoid touching base with it, to avoid connecting with it. And, and you didn't do that, Sarika, did you? So, so I would like you to um what i would like to do we're going to explore this a little bit today uh with the hopes i think of building up a little bit of a broad understanding of the potential utility of healthy conflict but just very very tactical starting with you come into this situation maybe you can explain to us a little bit what was the context you become aware that there is this uh, conflict how did you become aware of this? What are some of the early signals or the weak signals that you're paying attention to? And then rather than avoid it, like most, a lot of folks would do, you decide, no, I'm going to spend several months just deliberately working with this team and using this conflict situation to actually make the team more healthy. With that introduction, I became super curious about this. I hope anybody listening and watching uh, finds themselves curious. So being curious, several questions. Um, 
Over to you, Sarika. Talk me through this. Tell me, tell me about this. Thanks, Helgi. Um, I think you've, you've framed it beautifully, so I'm just going to dive directly into the frame there. Um, a bit about the context to start with and how I figured what I was getting into. And I think somewhere in the article, I do mention, you know, uh, welcome to workplace conflict, Sarika. And I go, <laughs> because that was apparently my induction into the whole program or the projects that I was, uh, you know, being handed uh, over. Um, now, when when I start looking at something like conflict, I'm, and you've rightly spotted it, it's always a matter of curiosity. I want to dive deeper into what it is and why it is and where's that stemming from, etc. Because you want to know uh, and explore options of, you know, what's really triggering it, what are the signals. But here's a bit on the context. Uh, so when I uh, joined this uh, organization that was being into, inducted into this uh, program, uh, the first meeting that I had, uh, I, I basically overheard or, or heard and listened into this amazing con uh, conversation. It started with, I would say, I could sense coping stances of blaming happening, mistrust very inevitable, um, yeah. aggressive body language very visible, because it was in person, so of course I could see that. And then there were a couple of, I would say, the pitch and the tone, the voices of people going up and down. And you know where this is going. I mean, uh, these are obviously, you know, one could always say uh, that these could be even signs of, you know, a very healthy, confronting conflict. But no, though they have similar signals, I would say, but you can definitely identify when it's getting to a bit of a destructive, blaming people taking those kind of negative stances. And, you know, if you even just think of uh, Patrick Lencioni's The Five Dysfunctions, I mean, you can hear the voices screaming out to you that, there's no trust, there's no fear of, you know, there is, there's no uh, approach to wanting conflict at all. It's just people blaming each other and want to avoid and get out of this meeting as soon as they can. They just want to protect themselves in whatever way. So with that, yeah. I think as a start, and I would say knowing myself, and I would say every individual human being, we all have our default stances, right? Not just coping stances, but even default stances towards conflict. And you correctly said, you know, generally people would avoid conflict. I think I'm I'm somebody who goes out seeking, oh, how can we trigger and promote healthy conflict? So being the kind of person I was, I was like, oh, this looks like an opportunity, but okay, welcome to workplace conflict, Sarika. This is great. Uh, apparently that was my induction into the project. And I was like, okay, that's great. What do you do now? And yeah. I think um, I looked that up as an opportunity um, because immediately, if you, if you, you know, you, you've gone through my article. So I did see a cake and coffee session coming up for myself. I was like, hey, let's get introduced to each other. So that's, that's where then I brought up this conversation and said, hey, you know what, guys, I've spotted that people you guys are not happy with each other. You know, there's something stemming there. Let's surface it. Let's talk about it. And let's talk about it openly enough so that yeah. even if there are harmful feelings, let's get them out. 
but in a very you know uh, constructive way not because we want to harm each other there so was yeah. that enough i just have to ask that question was that enough because in theory that sounds lovely you you um you become aware of something like that and you just say okay let's just surface it and make it sort of open open in the public and and um i found in practice uh people are very fearful i think the word conflict also is um a taboo well it's very emotionally charged isn't it yes. um but we've talked about this in a different um I believe we had a chat that's available on your uh, on your podcast where we explored this a little bit together. Um it's this black and white view. Um and conflict almost becomes like uh, like this container that you that you throw everything into, uh everything that is uncomfortable and, and it becomes kind of like a closed container. You can't really make contact with things. But what you're describing is um when you bring it to the surface like okay the first challenge is getting their buy in it's not enough for you to just propose this they have to actually want to do this little dance with you um but also it's i think about making it a little bit more nuanced right um there's hard destructive conflict but there's also softer forms of conflict and then there's even things that we that a lot of people might call conflict but really are just differences of opinion difference of different in perspectives um which for some reason these days seems to make people a lot more uncomfortable that somebody would actually dare to disagree with me or to dare to have a completely different view on this thing i find that deeply uncomfortable so i would like to avoid it i'm guessing some of this probably came up when you decided to uh get these people to expose it so talk us through that a little bit what what did that look like sure i i do want to start by highlighting that of course everyone's got a different perspective and that that is probably the main trigger for you know leading to a conflict because what i see as a 9 you see as a 6 what i see as half full is what you might see as half empty or otherwise or it's just a glass so and and or both yeah <laughs> or maybe the container is wrong we just should change the container i think in workplace conflict what happens hell you see everybody has got a common goal and that's the beauty of it um given that we all want to reach a common goal you put that cause and purpose in front of people frame it the right way and they take to it the right way because then your personal agendas fall behind because now you are not wanting to hit each other for i'm right and you are wrong but you want to make the cause and purpose as the focus and see oh maybe what i'm saying is not really perfectly fitting the cause and purpose but if i build my point of view over yours maybe that's a better solution because really what people want is to i would say come up with better solutions and do that in shorter amounts of time that's really the purpose but if you look at it differently then it's just going to get personal so in the case that i was in of course although i brought it up and i could have chosen to walk away from it right just like any other person but given that couple of uh, aspects there one i prefer to 
weigh the pros and cons at any point in time is this the right time to get into a conflict that's one or should i walk away from it uh two is it something that i think people can solve on their own and i should not get into it that's another aspect now at that point because i was getting into this program and from the conversations and i think i've just shared a couple of let's say polite healthy conversations on the blog i haven't really shared the un- impolite unhealthy conversations or abuses that i was hearing and i was like you know maybe it's a good idea coming in as a neutral person who's not a part of anything who has no personal inclination to any sides of any people because i was new to all of them also it made sense that i have a goal there and it's not linked to my kpis kras nothing whatever you might think but it's just that you want to bring success to this common goal and everybody wants that goal everybody wants to be successful in it so i thought it was one the right step to get into this and bring that to the surface and say of course i had to frame it correctly and then i had to put that there and say hey let's just you know voice out what we are seeing call out the elephant in the room bring it to the surface and we are not saying we have to find a solution today over cake and coffee let's maybe follow it through tomorrow the next day in a workshop and i will facilitate that workshop being you know a neutral facilitator of course neutral is a big word of course you get biased as a human being but you can stay as much neutral as you can just to highlight that i'm i'm just human in that yeah. um but i thought pretty much everyone was open to that option because they saw light at the end of the tunnel and i realized in that workshop the next day that people had been facing this problem for many months and there was nobody they had found who could help address or who even volunteered to address it because everybody just wanted to hide this issue under the rug all the time well that's the thing isn't it you you in your article you one of the sections and one of the high highlights is you call it the importance of conflicts in organizations there's this duality of perspectives regarding conflict isn't it like everybody we we all have this perception that yeah if if we go through it it's going to be uncomfortable as hell but everybody kind of forgets it's already uncomfortable isn't it the kind of atmosphere the kind of um the kind of almost like a sense of hostility almost like you have to be on your toes every single day you have to self censor uh the words coming out of your mouth because you don't want to trigger this person or that person uh you always have to be um you have to be kind of almost listening and reading into things 10 times as hard to to figure out what are the taboos and what are the allowables um So this notion of the importance of conflict is that if we want to have everybody's attention on what we're actually here to do you refer to this as the common goal uh all of that other stuff it just becomes distraction it just becomes noise uh how much productive time can you actually I read the statistic recently uh this is admittedly for something like 10 years ago that um on average um uh, every every employee 
uh, spent about three hours per week navigating dysfunctional destructive conflict. Mm. Now that's three hours that you're that for damn sure not shifting your attention to productive work or productive collaboration. And so let's let's explore that a bit. The importance of conflict. I think we've I think we've touched based on that sort of enough. And that is our stance. Just for the listeners out there, in case you're not aware, uh, we are very much the advocates that healthy conflicts are. Um, I would call it a health check on teams and organizations. Like if you come in as an outsider, and you want to quickly get a read of whether you have. Um, a healthy productive team or a healthy productive organization if everything just sings hunky dory everything everything is sort of kumbaya there's no uh, differences of opinions there's no sort of there's no debates happening there's no um, how, how, how should we call it there's no Hard discussions happening about there's no discovery happening uh, if we start talking product development language there's no actual discovery happening where we're confronting status quo and we're confronting uh, different things deliberately Every, everybody's just trying to be polite Lencioni refers to that as artificial harmony exactly. and, I, and it actually being a bigger problem than destructive conflict because artificial harmony is probably the case in like nine out of ten organizations very in a, in a very few of them you have a manifestation of very very destructive conflict um, to the point of physical or psychological violence um, but in most cases so there's the there's this, there's this area in the middle so if we buy into the premise that healthy conflict is a healthy um, prerequisite for uh, good productive teamwork, collaboration, to run a healthy organization, how the hell do we do that? You outline a bunch of different options in your article. Would you like to share some of them with us? Uh, sure. Um, let me dive into the workshop itself and what I did. You know, that's... Uh... That's pretty yeah. much how I would uh, how I would enable a team to navigate conflict. So, you know, starting off this workshop essentially with the first and most important, which is the most difficult thing to do, is acknowledging that there is conflict because mm. not everybody can do that. And we spoke about that when we started this conversation. And I know somewhere in one of the Lincioni articles I've read. You know, as you go higher up in the management chain, people end up spending more time trying to avoid conflict. And you can actually save a lot of that time by investing in good, healthy conflict. You know, you, you save all those yeah. hours of unnecessary politics and navigating, you know, unnecessary stuff. If to define that for us, we talk about healthy conflict and destructive conflict. In your own words, how would you define that? Just as you described that you were sensing certain things under the surface when you walked into this thing, which prompted you to start this whole process with the team, what would be the equivalent sort of signals that you would be able to notice if you have healthy conflicts going on? So I would say a couple of things. One, 
where one people start to question each other with the right goals in mind uh people start to build on each other's ideas and not just kill down each other's ideas because then they are moving towards a common you know um uh, again i'm using i'm saying common goal a lot of times but that is the intent you need to have the same common purpose to reach to um enable we can use synonyms we can you can use something like shared outcomes or uh <laughs> but yeah the the intent we can use the common yes, goal just to sort of capture that yeah first and i think people stopping to think about politics and really focusing on problem solving would be key for me rather than people just saying you know being superficial you just hear you know high level things and people are not being allowed to dive deeper into really solving the problem just waiting for that same problem to get into the next meeting that could be another sign because you're really not okay, so let me summarize just after you what i listened to there was uh shifting away from politics towards problem solving so that's an indicator isn't it yes politics is always about sort of interpersonal status and power games and we all know the shape and the feel of that regardless of where we are um talking about identifying and 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 pursuing the actual problem that has a completely different feel to it yes you beautifully summarized it thank you yes um another i think indicator or signal that i would see is most teams that i work with we generally even have if you're using visual walls etc we put stuff out there you know like a big box or a column saying critical topics things that we don't agree on so i generally get people to say it out call it out in some way form or the other because you want to bring critical issues to the table because you want them resolved not put them in a rug, under a rug and then you know just get done away with it so if you are not comfortable maybe you don't feel safe which also tells me another thing you know psychological safety is a key and that leads us to you know does the team really have trust it goes back to the five dysfunctions of a team so that would be another indicator for me are you you know are you confident or are you able to visibly put stuff like this out in the open saying yeah i don't like your idea or i'm not convinced or yeah what you said yesterday didn't go well with me are you able to put these critical issues out there so that we can have a talk without the other people getting offended now if people start taking these things in stride and i'm i'm not saying we're not human in that yes we do get yeah. offended but it goes back to that common purpose if we know we want to make something happen why would my personal agenda get in the way and and i worked with really tough teams and this was a very tough team to work with because i was a completely different yeah. cultural person coming in from somewhere else in the world to this team and i had a lot of pushback to start with but they also saw me as not a threat saying huh somebody at least wants to bring the issues to the surface and wants to have a talk so i would say that could be another key indicator for me helpful mm-hmm. well that's three you have 10 in the article 11 actually i think <laughs> but for the purpose oh, of this conversation i think I think a sort of a short format of like what are the top 3 or 4 that sort of come top of mind and I would just point out that if people are interested in um 
and getting getting sort of the full uh, big picture, I would refer them to your excellent article on this. Um, Maybe another thing, Helgi, that I should highlight on from the article for the benefit of all our listeners is, you know, when I just spoke about these aspects of, you know, bringing up and putting out these critical topics to the table, I think it's important to always start with something that we agree on. So it's like a team agreement, whether whether you call it a team agreement canvas or, you know, a team agreement document or no matter what you call it. But it is important to bring those aspects out. What do we agree on? What do we not agree on? And yeah. what do we agree to disagree on? I mean, these are the things I'm really talking about. And those could be things from the environment, things that are personal to us, things that are information related. It could just be anything and everything under that. So, you know, that, that's another... Do you also contrast this in, uh, with the storytelling canvas? I find that an interesting sort of, uh, we can call it a contrast or we can call it sort of... Um, Complementary. In my mind, they, 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 they connect quite beautifully, but for a lot of people, not necessarily. So the team agreement, it's all about sort of coming to shared understanding, understanding each other's, uh, having an understanding of the values and principles involved. And sort of as a team, um, coming to terms, coming to, coming to terms is, is, is a phrase that I quite like. It means building a shared understanding of the terms themselves. Mm -hmm. Like when we reference something, we can't always uh, assume that we mean the same thing. Um, but you also talked about the storytelling, which is an interesting um, sort of aspect because in essence, a lot of the stuff, like we're just interpreting our environment and we're building some kind of a narrative, a story, a sense-making story out of it. And that's often where a lot of uh, conflicts actually come from. Uh, people having different stories, but assuming that everybody's seeing the world through, through their own lens. Uh, exact lens. Um, so exploring each exploring each other's story a little bit or having people share how they sort of are interpreting and calling it for what it is it's not a truth it's actually an interpretation it's a it's a narrative it's a story exactly. uh, and maybe the closest approximation of truth is when we get everybody to share theirs and where they overlap to some degree that's where we're getting possibly close um, so you, you, you have links to those two things, the team agreement canvas, uh, and the storytelling canvas and your, so the, I assume you use that with this particular team. Definitely. And for exactly the same reasons I, you know, that you put out there. Um, and I think as human beings, uh, we're really good at storytelling and we are really good at making up our own stories, which defines us. And that's how we automatically function, right? So it was important that each person bring out their own stories. So while, and, and it, you know, I talk about that in the article that, you know, we got people to, I got people to list what they agree on, what they don't agree on, etc. But this all comes out through storytelling. So we, we use this template that we have from the leanchange.org. Uh, so you've got the link out there also below in this uh, podcast there. We can add that there. Uh, it was important for everyone to write their stories, stick it on the wall, and then get everybody to listen to what they are thinking. 
And for me as a facilitator to also put out there, okay, these are the unique aspects we've heard from each stories, but these are also the commonalities that have come up. Because obviously as human beings, none of us wants to be rejected in different ways by saying, oh, you know, what you're saying is all wrong. And that's that's where I always, you know, think conflict comes starts from or triggers from because you feel bad that your point of view is not being taken or what you are saying is just not being accepted. And maybe that's something that you value highly about yourself and there's nothing wrong in that. It's just human behavior. So I think once those aspects start to come out and as a facilitator, you can enable that for the number of people in the room, they start feeling valued that, oh, so there was nothing wrong in my story. It's just that, oh, Sarika had a different opinion or Helgi had a different thing. They added more to the story. Oh, I misunderstood or, you know, they misunderstood. And it just brings those perspectives to the table and then people relate and understand better. And that then allows them to go back to that shared team canvas, which is why I always do the team canvas with the people. And like we know, it's got shared values and principles. And once you start aligning and saying, if that's our goal, now what aligns? What do we all agree on? What do we still disagree on? And what do we agree to disagree? And are we going to resolve that today? Or let's just take a coffee break or a beer break or whatever and come back and revisit it. Or we just agree that we will always continue to disagree on something. Because you can't always agree on everything, right? It's natural. It's true. I sometimes ask people um, and without fail, I get the same answer. Have you ever managed, like in a time crunch, if you think back to maybe university days or, or something like that, when you were thrown together in a collaborative effort with somebody that you really didn't like, maybe, <laughs> but you had to turn something in or you had to produce a result, did you manage to still do it? Mm. And the answer is invariably yes. Um, I think that there is often this, um, like, I'm not saying it's not maybe more optimal if you can, if you can work with people that you, that you like, and that you can have maybe a friendship with, but if you, despite differences, if you can have respect for the other people, um, and you don't have to be the best of friends and you don't have to agree with everything that they, uh, hold true. But if you can align on on the necessary things in order to produce a collaboration, then maybe that's enough. And maybe that will evolve into something else down the line. Um, I'm getting a little bit conscious of the time. Um, you've highlighted some, some key practices that I think are worth mentioning. Uh, the daily check-ins, the happiness door, weekly reflect and learn sessions. And you also outlined a number of key learnings for conflict management in organizations where I feel um, in this particular article where you sort of zoom out from your particular case and start reflecting on, broadly speaking, regardless of the organization, regardless of the team, this is what you should be. Um, could you outline uh, maybe three or four of these key learning for us just to sort of wrap up this, uh, this conversation about uh, navigating healthy conflicts let's say <laughs> sure um i would start uh helgi with the first and foremost point no matter where there's conflict i think first of all we need to always acknowledge 
conflict. It's inevitable in all our human lives and it's going to be there. I think the least we could do is to acknowledge that there is conflict instead of avoiding conflict. So that's that's the very first and foremost point that I would highlight. Um, and just to add a little more value to that point, we need to, when I say acknowledge, I'm also saying we have to accept and embrace that we will always have different perspectives. We are not yet robots. So yes, mm -hmm. as human beings, we are always going to have a different perspective and we need to have an open mind to study that perspective, to question perspectives of each other in a good way and be prepared that our perspective could get accepted or rejected. So it's a good thing. Um, mm -hmm. Also, another point then would be we should understand that having conflict is really good for innovation and for team cohesiveness. So yes. surfacing that conflict, I think, is important because it's going to lead to newer ideas, more productive meetings, more problem solving over politics. So that is important. Um, and maybe uh, last but not the least, I would say is sometimes uh, doing nothing is also an approach to solving a conflict. And I have experienced that in my lifetime so far at the workplace. Uh, yeah. And sometimes, you know, when, when I say do nothing, sometimes conflicts do solve on their own. So you do need to understand which conflicts you want to walk into, which conflicts you want to just let be because they might just solve on their own. Um, and maybe to sum up, I would, you know, quote uh, Sundar Pichoy, uh, where he says, you know, a diverse mix of voices leads to better discussions, decisions and outcomes for everyone. So, yeah, I guess to get that diverse mix of voices with different perspectives for healthy outcomes, uh, you just need to enable healthy conflict as leaders in the organization. Accept and embrace, right? Exactly. Lovely. Lovely. I think that's an excellent place to wrap up our little interaction and for me to maybe uh, pass the baton back as your guest host to the actual host of this uh, show so that uh, so that you can wrap it up for us. Very good. <laughs> Thanks so much, Helgi. I think it was an interesting experience for me <laughs> before I wrap up. It was an interesting experience. Um, yeah, passing the baton and then now, uh, you know, trying to say, all right, this has been a great conversation, but this is indeed, <laughs> this has indeed been a great conversation because it kept me thinking on my toes into my story. And I loved going back, walking the memory lane. Uh, your mm. questions uh, have been awesome. Uh, and for our listeners, because most of uh, our, uh, you know, earlier audience definitely knows our shows are unscripted, so we just evolve our questions and responses as we go on in conversation. And for those, uh, you know, listening to us uh, very new, thank you for joining us and thank you for listening in to us. And thanks for the patronage of uh, our uh, continued listeners. So thank you for listening to Helgi and me, Sarika, on today's Perspectives of Change. Uh, we hope to see you at the very next one. If you'd like uh, to have uh, questions for us, uh, feel free to send them to write to, as in the numeral two, me at sarikakarbanda.com. 
And of course, you can also reach us at perspectivesofchange.com. Uh, thank you very much. Stay safe and we will see you at the next show.